Hello and welcome to another episode of Locked on Wolves. Today on the show, we're going to preview Wolves Celtics on Friday night. Uh, Boston's reeling somewhat. The Wolves need to come in and play well to beat one of the league's best teams. We'll preview that matchup, specifically what's been going on with the Celts. Plus, I want to look at Nas Reed and some lineups. He maybe could be successful in moving forward as Rudy Gobert is now back on the floor for the Wolves. And uh, we'll also close with a look at power rankings league-wide, where the Wolves sit in a call it a rough and tumble Western Conference. We'll call it a jumbled Western Conference. So coming on the show, welcome in. You are Locked On Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked on Wolves. Happy Friday, everybody. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. Like I said, happy Friday. Happy Christmas weekend. If you are celebrating Christmas this weekend, happy holiday season. And happy game day. The Wolves are in Boston to take on the mighty Celtics. Although the Celts have been, uh, you know, falling on a bit of hard times here lately. We'll talk about that in a moment. Plenty to get to on the show here today. First of all, though, a big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Lockdown Wolves is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms from Apple to Google to Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find Lockdown Wolves and all the Lockdown programs. You can also download the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on either Roku or Amazon Fire TV. More great local sports coverage 24-7 for free. Download the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app today on either Roku or Amazon Fire TV. You can also follow this show on Twitter at Lockdown T-Wolves and also at B-Beacon. And that's with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. All right, I want to start today with the preview because I think the Celtics matchup is really interesting. And Boston, like this is kind of the, if, if you're a Timberwolves fan, which you probably are if you're listening to this, and you follow the team closely, this feels like one of those games that the Wolves could come out and be like, all right, we'll be okay. We won three in a row. We lost Wednesday, but we played okay against a pretty good team in Dallas. And like, you know, this is a tough road trip, Christmas weekend, whatever. We'll come out. We'll just kind of go through the motions and we'll be okay in this one. And Boston, they're playing the Boston Celtics at Boston. Boston is not a team to be trifled with, if you will. Um, Obviously, right? They had easily the league's best record coming into the week. They've struggled a bit of late. And to me, that's a recipe. The Wolves having coming off a, a, a reasonable loss Wednesday, right? A game that they were in. Now going to Boston to take on a team that's lost five of six. Five of six losses for Boston. And yet their, their record is still 22 and 10. So before this streak, this losing streak, they were 21 and five. Now they've lost five of six. They still have the second best record in the entire NBA. They're only a half game behind the Milwaukee Bucks or 22 and nine. So losing five of six, still the second best record in the league in a virtual tie for first in the Eastern Conference and the best record in the NBA. So this is a team that's really, really good. They're relatively healthy. They have Robert Williams, the third back. Uh, he's a huge part of what they do, especially defensively. And he had missed the entire season up until the last week. He's played in three games now to this point. And um, 
like at some point he's going to get reintegrated, get up to speed. He's going to really shore up their defense. Sitting here right now, coming into this game, Boston has the number one offense in the league in terms of offensive efficiency, offensive rating at basketball reference. And they're ninth in defensive efficiency. That's going to improve with Robert Williams, the third on the floor. Um, you know, the other kind of top flight defender on that team, Marcus Smart, is questionable on Friday with an illness. Um, so not sure at this point, obviously, if he's going to play or not. Um, but this is a team that's going to hit its stride defensively, is surely mad that they've dropped five of six, two of which have come against the Orlando Magic. They scored just 92 points in a loss to the Magic earlier this week. They were down by as many as 30 against the Pacers at home at, in Boston on Wednesday. They've now lost three straight home games, twice against Orlando, one against the Pacers. Of course, teams they should be beating easily. Um, and they were actually getting booed down 30 on Wednesday at TD Garden and you know, came back, made it respectable. They ended up only losing by five. But like Orlando's 12 and 21. They're one of the worst six or seven teams in the entire league, five or six teams in the league. The Pacers are better than expected, but they're a 500 team. Boston has no business, relatively healthy Boston, losing these games. They're going to come out ready to play against a Wolves team that you, you better believe they're licking their chops. They're saying, this is our opportunity to get right. How many teams have gotten right against the Wolves, right? Um, now, the Wolves took advantage of a reeling Bulls team on Sunday, a reeling Mavericks team on Monday. Dallas pushed back Wednesday. And now the Wolves are taking on a reeling Celtics team. The difference, though, is that the Bulls have kind of been reeling all season. The Mavs haven't played up to stuff all season. The Celtics were the best team in the league until a week ago. And they still are arguably the best team in the league, regardless of their losing five of six and three in a row. I mean, they've got a better point differential than every single team in the Western Conference. Better than Memphis, better than the Pelicans, better than much better than Denver. Like this is a really, really good team. Jason Tatum's unbelievable, um, and everything Boston does revolves around Jason Tatum. It, not in a different way, but it's not all too dissimilar from um, the Luca effect with Dallas, right? Uh, and, and he doesn't play again; doesn't play the exact same way. Um, he's a better long range shooter, certainly than than Luca. Percentage wise, only a little bit better, but he shoots even more threes than Luca. It's a big part of what he does. The Celtics as a team are third in the league in three-point attempt rate and sixth in percentage. So they shoot a lot of threes and they make a lot of threes. The Wolves, in terms of um, opponent three-point percentage, are 26th in the league. That The Wolves actually allow the most made three-pointers per game of any team in the league. They allow more than 14 made threes on average, 14.3 made threes per game. They allow the second most attempts and they have the fifth worst defensive field goal or defensive three-point percentage, excuse me. They allow opponents to shoot 37.4%. So opponents shoot better than the individual league average on threes against the Wolves. And they're taking on a Boston Celtics team that is third in three-point rate, sixth in percentage, second in makes per game. So the Wolves give up, what was it, 14 a game. The Celtics make 16 a game on average. So this is not a good matchup for the Wolves in terms of uh, outside shooting and Boston has all their shooters available, right? They've got, um, you know, Al Horford in terms of volume doesn't shoot a ton, but he's 44% for three. Great Williams, 43 and a half percent. You know, in terms of Sam Hauser off the bench for them, 42% for three. Derek White, Jason Tatum, all these guys are league average or better in terms of percentage. Um, and then they've got a bunch of guys kind of right under league average. Like Marcus Smart has continued to improve his shot. He's now a 34% three-point shooter. Again, not super high volume. That's not his game. But he, is, he can make threes. Basically, everyone on the Celtics team takes and makes threes. And the Wolves have to deal with that, um, despite having a really bad three-point defense. And we saw this breakdown late in the Mavericks game 
on Wednesday. We talked about it extensively on Thursday's show. Um, is that, you know, Luca was making the right reads late in that game, right? He's initiating from the top of the key. The Wolves are trying to, you know, send high wall coverage, bring dedicate two guys to stopping the ball with Luka Doncic, which they, which they need to do, right? But then he's making the right read, kicking to the slot, kick, and then they swing to the corner, um, or he's hitting the roller who's then hitting the opposite corner. And the Mavs got, you know, made five consecutive threes down the stretch in the fourth quarter, went from a three-point Wolves lead to a Mav, you know, ultimately it was part of a, I think it was a 15-4 to four run or something like that. It was 15-4 to because it was five made threes. And Tim Hardaway Jr. and Spencer Dinwiddie, these guys just got these open threes and knocked them down against the Wolves. Now, the difference is the Celtics have much better complementary players than Dallas Mavericks. Um, I love Dinwiddie. I think Tim Hardaway's good. But the Celtics have a roster that fits together and makes more sense to me than Dallas's roster. And I'll take Jason Tatum. Uh, you know, I'll put him up against Luka Doncic every day of the week. I think Jason Tatum's fantastic. But in my opinion... Having, you know, Jalen Brown, obviously, in terms of volume, is a dangerous scorer. He's not the shooter that Tatum or even Doncic is, and, and I don't I don't think he's all around nearly as good of a player, but he's a pretty good, you know, 1B or pretty good second option, right? Marcus Smart, like I mentioned, has developed into a pretty good complementary offensive player, and I haven't even mentioned Malcolm Brogdon, um, who, like, coming off the bench for them after having the career he did in Milwaukee, um, he's now 30 years old. He's a 45% shooter for them off the bench. And he's third in terms of scoring per game with the Celtics. These role players fit Boston much better than Dallas's fit Dallas. And that's obviously not the only difference between a team that's 22 and 10 and a team that's 500. But it's a lot, it's similar to Dallas in in that it's Tatum-centric, just like they're Lucas-centric. But the other pieces are far more, far more dangerous. The Wolves played with fire. They, had, they altered their scheme. They played more high wall than they did... Um, and switched a little bit more than they would typically do on Monday with and and without Rudy Gobert too, by the way, didn't play drop coverage. It worked. They got a win. Dallas couldn't make the threes that they needed to make to win on Monday. On Wednesday, Dallas made threes down the stretch. They didn't for most of the game, but finally they made open threes. The Wolves were half step late in rotation and that was all she wrote. You don't have that same margin for error against the Boston Celtics. Now I know they've lost five of six and we have to factor that in. But this is a team that is ultra dangerous and not a very good matchup for the Wolves because they're such a good three-point shooting team. They shoot so many threes. They can play fast or they can play slow. They can kind of dictate terms however they want. They don't commit a lot of fouls. They're solid defensively. They're a good rebounding team, um, especially defensively. And uh, they're going to limit Wolves' second chance opportunities. Uh, they don't really turn the ball over. It's a disciplined, well-coached team, well-put-together team. It's, to me, a scary game for the Wolves. They have to come out ready to play. And then if they get a lead and are fortunate enough to be in the game at halftime, they can't have those same third quarter issues we've seen the Wolves have so often this year. But it's it's a matchup that worries me for the Wolves, um, even though that Boston's lost five of six. Now, a win in Boston would really make things feel like the sky is falling for the Celtics. And for the Wolves, it would be a huge way to get off, uh, a, a, a hugely positive way to start this four-game Christmas road trip, Miami on Monday, and then New Orleans. It just gets more difficult than Milwaukee. Um, so... A win would be massive for the Wolves, but this is going to be a really difficult matchup uh, for Minnesota. All right, next I want to talk two-man lineups. I want to talk about Nas Reed's potential role moving forward and uh, some of the advanced metrics around what Nas has done to this point. Now that his role has expanded a little bit, Rudy's back, still no cat. I think it's an interesting conversation. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends at the NHTSA. Did you know that driving high is considered driving under the influence? That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every state, even in states where marijuana is legal. That means driving high could get you a DUI. And if you think law enforcement officers can't tell when you're driving high, you're wrong. Your friends could tell, your coworkers could tell, even your parents could tell, everyone 
can tell. So what makes you think that law enforcement officers don't know when you're driving high? Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time and change how you perceive time and speed. So even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, you're not. Because the bottom line is, if you feel different, you drive different. And driving high is driving under the influence. So remember, drive high, get a DUI. Paid for by the NHTSA. Thank you once again for making Locked On Wolves your first listen every day. Make sure to check out Locked On Sports today, the biggest stories around the sports world in 20 minutes or less, plus instant reactions, game recaps, and Locked On's take of the day. Locked On Sports today, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so Nas Reed obviously played extremely well when uh, both Rudy and Carl Anthony Towns were out uh, here basically over the weekend, dating back to, uh, I guess, late middle, late last week. Um, you know, you look at his game log and in the, of course he had the one game in there where he only played 12 minutes because he left with the injury, but he had 28 and nine made three threes with 61% from the floor against the thunder last Friday, only played the first quarter and a little bit of the second, um, 12 minutes total against the bulls in the win on Sunday and had 10 points scored the first 10 points of the game for the wolves in that game. Perfect four or four shoot. He made a couple threes comes back, plays Wednesday, or excuse me, Monday against Dallas, 27 and 13 shoots 57% for the floor. So three consecutive games shooting 50, really 58% or greater, making at least two threes per game. On Wednesday, Rudy comes back. So Nas only plays 13 minutes, has six points, four assists, three rebounds in 13 minutes, and makes both of his three-point attempts. We're seeing his three-point percentage increase for the month of December. He's shooting 48% from outside the arc. Nas Reed is. So we're seeing him play better with more minutes. That's perhaps not surprising. It shouldn't be. Um, now for the season, Nas is shooting 38% from three. He's averaging effectively 10 and four plus one assist per game and only 16 and a half minutes per game. He only has the three starts total and they all occurred over the last week here. Um, and we saw his minutes go from basically 40 a game with no Rudy to 13 a game with Rudy. And yet he still played well in those minutes. The Wolves, of course, lost. And, and this is part of a, a conversation I'm not prepared to have yet because I, I'm not about to argue the Wolves are better without Rudy Gobert. I think Rudy Gobert up to speed, comfortable, et cetera, will make the Wolves a much better team. I don't think there's any question about that. But not there's also no question that Nas Reed played better Monday and played better uh, going back to Friday in Oklahoma City than Rudy Gobert played overall Wednesday. And yes, I know Rudy had the numbers. He shot 9 of 11. He had a double-double at halftime, but he had a quiet second half. Um, the... I, the Wolves weren't able to get him the ball against a small Mavericks team. Now, that's not entirely on Rudy. That's also partly on the Wolves' guard play, and that has been consistent in terms of entry passes. Um, I feel like the Wolves have been a bad, not that Rudy's posting up, but going back to Jeff Teague, Jeff Teague couldn't throw inbounds, or excuse me, uh, entry passes to Carlton Towns in the post, you know, a few years ago, Taj Gibson, he just couldn't. And now we've got guys who can't throw lobs or can't, which is a little more complicated than throwing an entry pass, but can't throw lobs or can't hit rollers. Like they're struggling with getting the ball to Rudy in advantageous positions. And early in the season, they were forcing it to the Wolves detriment for the most part. And now they're kind of not even trying at times. And they've got to find that balance, right? There's been a couple games where we've seen that chemistry between D'Lo and Rudy, or even at times between Ant and Rudy. Certainly saw it with Towns and Rudy before the cat injury. Um, but they're not finding that consistent way to get Rudy involved. So Nas has played so well because of the chemistry he's had with some of the guys that are running the backcourt for the Wolves. Jalen Noel, Nas and D'Lo have actually had pretty good chemistry. So 
what's the solution to getting Nas more involved, right? You're not really realistically going to play him much over Rudy Gobert. They only played two or three minutes together the other night on the floor together. So far this season, they've only played, um, what have they played? 87 minutes together, Rudy and Nas, and, which is like kind of middle of the pack in terms of two-man pairings. I mean, they've had basically 52-man pairings that have played more often than Rudy and Nas together. So 87 minutes together, they're a negative 13.8 in terms of net rating. Uh, not great, I guess. Uh, I don't really know what else to say about that. It's it's actually, in terms of pairings that have played together, the only ones that are worse so far this season for the Wolves that have actually played together a decent amount. Forbes and Noel together played 80 minutes and that's been worse. Um, there's a couple of other ones in there. Rivers and Kyle Anderson, weirdly enough, are a minus 17.3. Uh, Nas and Wendell Moore are a minus 14.8 and 50-ish minutes together. But then Nas and Rudy are basically like, if you take lineups that have actually played together for 50 minutes or more, two-man lineups, Nas and Rudy are like the fifth worst two-man lineup together. A minus 13.8 net rating. Um, and I think it's probably just a familiarity thing as much as anything. And also we've seen throughout Nas's career, still relatively brief career with a brief number of opportunities. He plays much better as the center than he does as a forward, basically every lineup. And we saw the Rudy and Cat pairing have some complications. Again, not as much due to those two players as to guards figuring out how to play with them. And I think with Rudy, Nas sees himself more as like, okay, I'll hang out on the perimeter and I could be a stretch big, but he's also a good passer. Um, Nas... I could also put the ball on the floor and score. I, I've said all along in Nas's career, he's basically like a light version of Carl Anthony Towns offensively. I still think that's true. Um, he maybe naturally is a little bit of a better ball handler and not nearly as good of a shooter. Um, and maybe naturally is a little bit of a better passer. I think Towns at this point is is probably every bit as good. But um, it's interesting that now we're seeing the possibility, right? Of, of moving, Cat moved to the four for Rudy to be at the five. Why not try Nas at the four more frequently? I, like, again, I just gave the numbers. They're not good. Um, but I guess a team like Boston, like, hey, you know, we're not going to beat them going small. Like, let's just try and play big and put Nas at the four and see what we could do. Like, Boston's not going to trot out, um, you know, bigs that are going to beat the Wolves down low, right? They're a good rebounding team. Nas has rebounded the ball much better this season than he ever has in his career. Let's try Nas at the four more often. Rudy at the five. Play big. Now, the problem, of course, is defensively, right? It's going to help you rebounding the ball. I think they can do it offensively. We saw Towns and Rudy have a decent chemistry themselves. I think Nas on the perimeter is fine. I think that can work. The question is, how does that work defensively? And that, and that, of course, is was the biggest question mark with Towns and Rudy together anyway. Um, and Nas, pound for pound, I think is a worse defender than Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, yes, he's more nimble. He's more mobile. But I think Towns has better feel defensively. And I think he's Nas could be a better shot blocker. With, you know, in the paint, off ball, you know, coming from the weak side, be a better shot blocker than Cat. But on the ball, Cat's a better defensive player than Nas. So the big question is, how will that work? Can Boston hunt those mismatches like, for instance, Dallas did with Luka? I think the answer is yes. But I also think this is a game the Wolves are unlikely to win anyway. Like, you're probably not going to beat them with Jaden McDaniels at the four. And Boston's still going to hunt the matchups they want, right? The Wolves still have enough weak links defensively. Um, and the hope is Rudy can fill your back line and cover cover you in the paint. But Boston's, again, in a lot of ways, a much better version of Dallas. So I don't know that it's necessarily going to work. All I'm saying is I think the Wolves should try it, right? I, like, throw something against the wall, see if it sticks. If nothing else, you're getting a guy who's been one of your better players on the floor in Nas Reed. Um, he's been a top 30 center, according to ESPN's Real Plus Minus, which, again, we're a third of the way through the season, roughly, a little more than a third for most teams now. 
Um, so like they're not like end all be all numbers, but currently Nas Reed is 29th in overall real plus minus among centers in the league. Rudy's fourth behind Jokic and beating Porzingis. Um, Towns incidentally is 15th. Of course, now he's only played 21 games compared to most of these guys have played upper twenties, 30 plus games. Um, but Nas offensively has been one of the better centers in the league. He's a 1.75 according to offensive real plus minus, um, which puts him actually seventh in offensive real plus minus Towns is ahead of him. Towns is third. Jokic and beat Towns, Porzingis, Thomas Bryant with the Lakers, Gorgie Jang, you know, both limited players don't not play in a ton of minutes per game. So throw them out. So Nas is really fifth. If you put him behind Jokic and beat Towns and Porzingis. So the eye test, like that's backed up by the real plus minus here on ESPN, which um, I guess if you're not familiar, it's, it's my favorite advanced metric that actually it, it's my favorite box score metric that tries to account for teammates that are on and off the floor with you. Um, and I think it does a pretty good job. I think like a lot of stats, it sometimes can overinflate bigs, but if you look at bigs versus bigs, then obviously that, you know, I think it becomes more useful as a tool. And Nas has been one of the best offensive centers in the league. The question is, can he guard defensively? Can he do what you need him to do? Can Rudy cover up his issues? Can the Wolves find a way to get Jade McDaniels and Anthony Edwards and Austin Rivers guarding the perimeter players you want you want them to be guarding? Or can the Celtics hunt, hunt the Nas matchup or the D'Lo matchup? That's the biggest thing. Um, but all that to say, I think Nas should play more minutes with Rudy. Now's the time to try and figure this out, right? Because if that's not going to work, they need to consider... What happens next with Nas, right? He's an expiring contract, a very small, reasonable contract. He's going to get paid in the offseason. Um, like, now's the time to see, is this going to work? Could we play Nas with Rudy moving forward if, say, you know, this is a whole other conversation, and I've never said this before, but, like, I don't know, maybe if you consider trading Carl Anthony Towns in the future, could Nas do enough offensively and Rudy do enough defensively? Could Nas be a better fit with Rudy? Sitting here right now, the data tells us no, but it's a small sample size. I think it's worth testing those waters here over the next several games when Towns is still a few weeks from coming back. And I, I should also be clear, a big reason for that is because Nas played so well in the absence of Rudy Gobert, and he just continues to show when given those minutes, offensively, he is a starting caliber center. It's the defensive things that need to get cleaned up. Can you cover for some of that by having him on the floor with Rudy um, and Jaden McDaniels, for instance? Uh as a lighter version of Carl Anthony Towns. All right. Next, I want to talk about power rankings, where the Wolves sit in a uh, jumbled Western conference. We're going to do that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our title sponsors over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From pro football to college, bowl season to basketball and World Cup, They've got it all at betonline.net. Of course, the World Cup just ending, but now we're into college bowl season and we're into, uh, I mean, I guess, I don't know, you get college bowl season plus football like basically four days a week now, Monday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, four days a week of NFL football. Uh, last part of the regular season, of course, the Vikings battling for playoff position. Uh, college basketball season on top of the NBA. There's plenty going on at BetOnline. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. All right, let's close this thing out by talking power rankings. We haven't checked in in a couple of weeks. The Wolves, uh, at the beginning of the week, were a game above 500. Uh, well, I guess I should say after winning Monday, they were a game above 500. So ESPN did their power rankings and bumped the Wolves from 21 to 19. So 19th in ESPN's power rankings, 
feels about right to me, maybe a couple, a notch or two higher, perhaps. Over at NBA.com, which uh, I love, John Schumann's power rankings at NBA.com. They're very thorough. He did his at the very beginning of the week, actually even before Sunday's win. Or no, wait, I guess this would have been before Monday's win, after Sunday's win, before Monday. So when they were 15 and 15, they're 16 and 16 now. So same record. He had the Wolves uh, as just... Uh, so he he says in his write-up about the Wolves, they're a tick worse than league average offensively and a tick worse than league average defensively. And talks about how it hasn't been a straight line. Like they had the miserable performance against the Clippers last week offensively. They scored 88 points. And then against the Bulls, they scored 150 points. Uh, you know, the, the most points ever in a Timberwolves game ever in franchise history. The second highest effective field goal percentage in a game in NBA history. An effective field goal percentage of 78.7%, which of course takes into account the weight of a three-point shot over a two-point shot. Um, so Shumi goes on to talk about how they're 2-0 without Towns or Gobert. This was before before the win Sunday, or excuse me, before the win Monday. So actually, they're now 3-0 with no Towns and no Gobert. They're 1-3 in the second game of back-to-backs, but then they won Sunday Monday. So now they're 2-3 in the second game of back-to-backs. And then he talks about how the stretch starting tonight you know, Friday against Boston is the start of a four game road trip and a stretch with 11 of 14 games against teams that are currently over 500. And I've talked about this for a while. This road trip, Boston, Miami, New Orleans, Milwaukee is an absolute murderer's row of teams. The Wolves will not be favored to beat or even really sniff beating. Um, I'm excited to see the Pelicans. I think that'll be a fun matchup, but a scary matchup for Minnesota. We'll talk more about that next week. Uh, But a really tough stretch coming up for the Wolves. And, uh, you know, I think putting them in the late teens around 20 in terms of overall league power rankings makes a lot of sense. If you look at the Western Conference as a whole, the Wolves still sit 10th at 500, but they're also only four games out of first place in the West, and they're six and a half games out of last place in the West. Uh, You have, what, 13 teams are within six and a half games of first place in the Western Conference, which is crazy. We're talking more than a third of the way through the season now. Um, the Spurs and the Rockets are really the only teams that don't have a hope of making the playoffs. And, uh, you know, both have been kind of, I don't know, doing what we expected them to do. The Thunder have been better than expected. They've also, they're by the way, they're on a three-game win streak sitting here right now. They've now passed the Lakers in the West. Golden State is 11th. Golden State's a game and a half behind the Wolves. Everybody expects them to right the ship. In fact, I believe they're still the favorites to win the Western Conference, which is nuts because they're in 11th place but they're only five and a half back of first because it's been such a jumbled bet, uh, jumbled mess. Excuse me, in the West, the Sacramento Kings are number six in the Western Conference. The Wolves are only two games behind the Kings. Kings are just four games above five hundred, and, and Minnesota hasn't even seen Sacramento yet. So, um, I will say that the 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 nine teams ahead of the Wolves all have positive point differentials. The Wolves are negative point six with a five hundred record, uh, but every team below the Wolves has a worse point differential than them. So, point differential is obviously an indicator or is often an indicator, I should say, of future success. You know, what happens next? What Where could we project from here? And what that tells us is that the Grizzlies, Pelicans, and Suns are probably the best three teams in the West. Denver's probably not as good as their record. And then um, Sacramento's maybe outperformed their record a little bit. The Wolves are kind of right where they should be based on their performance so far. But you got to believe Portland's, I think Portland's going to get a little worse. I think ultimately Utah still gets a little worse. I don't think they're actually, you know, right, right now they're three games above 500. They've righted the ship a bit. Um, I think Sacramento will get a little worse. I think New Orleans is probably still a top five team in the West, but I don't know that they're going to finish in second or third. 
So I think when this thing shuffles a bit, the Warriors will improve. The P- Portland will drop. Utah will drop. Uh, I think maybe the Lakers kind of sneak in around the 10 spot. But it's tough for me to see. I, my preseason projection was the Wolves would be in fourth, fifth, or sixth at the end of the season. It feels now like sixth, seventh, eighth feels about more right for the Wolves. Um, of course, the ceiling is much higher because they have two top 20 players, probably three top 50 players, depending on what you think of Ant, but potentially even better if he figures things out. D'Lo playing like he did, you know, I guess the last two Mavs games haven't been great, but before that, he'd been fantastic over his last several games. So the ceiling is still there for the Wolves to finish much greater than 7th or 8th in the Western Conference. Getting out of the play-in would obviously, I said at the beginning of the year, basically the year is a failure if the Wolves end up in the play-in. I still believe that to be true, but at this point, getting in the play-in, it would be so much better than not getting to the play-in at all, right? Um, So to the Wolves, this works to the Wolves' benefit that the West is such a mess right now. One hot streak, which, by the way, isn't going to happen. It's just not. With 11 of 14 against teams over 500, no Carl Diddy Towns, banged up Rudy Gobert. Kyle Anderson's question will again Friday in Boston. I didn't mention that earlier. Uh, with the injuries they have and the schedule they have, I don't see the Wolves going on the streak yet. But if things can stay jumbled in the West, and the Wolves can, you know, when they play New Orleans, when they play Sacramento, these teams they haven't seen yet, if they can win a couple of those to help them in the standings in the West and also improve tiebreaker odds. We could be, again, all it takes is that hot streak. And maybe it doesn't happen until mid-late January when Towns comes back. Um, but all it takes is that one hot streak in today's Western Conference to really end up in a in a sunnier spot in the West. All right, that's all we have for you today. We will do the live postcast tonight after the game with Marnie. Uh, the plan is to go live about 45 minutes after the tip, 6.30 Central. So we will go live. And then uh, on Monday, we'll have a show. Day after Christmas, we'll preview the matchup Monday night between the Wolves and the Heat. We'll talk about anything else, uh, cleaning up, uh, you know, revisiting Friday night's game as well. So have a fantastic weekend. A big thank you to those of you that do make Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. A reminder, you can listen anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can watch on YouTube. You can watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on Roku or Amazon Fire TV. Of course, the Lockdown Minnesota podcast, excuse me, Lockdown Wolves podcast um, is available, uh, like I said, anywhere. It's also part of the Lockdown Wolves, man, part of the Lockdown NBA network. The Lockdown Network is your local experts on the biggest stories. Of course, for your second listen, you can listen to the Lockdown Sports Today show. Peter Bukowski brings you the biggest stories from around the sports world in 20 minutes. Get the analysis and opinions before anyone else with our local and national experts and insiders. The Lockdown Sports Today podcast is available on YouTube and wherever you listen to podcasts. Once again, I'm Bed Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.